Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. I don't know if you've ever done embarrassing things, right? But I, I have. I've, I just find myself uh, with foot and mouth disease and, and with ideas that are politically incorrect. And a number of years ago, I had a politically correct, incorrect idea. And the idea was, was okay in essence. It was to find out how, how generous the great British public actually was, right? Just, it was just an idea I had. I wanted to do a little mini TV pilot. And, uh, and so I had, this is where it turns into incorrectness. I thought I'll dress up as a beggar. And I'll go down to London with a the, with the, with the little TV crew, right? And I'll find out how much beggars make on the streets of London. So I went to Covent Garden. So I was there with my sign uh, saying, need money. And I was there for about 43 minutes or so in Covent Garden's. Uh, and the film crew were filming it, right? And then two, two immaculately polished pairs of black shoes came up to me. And they said, you've got the right to remain silent. They said, anything you do say could be used against you in a court of law. You're arrested. And I said, I said, well, what for? They said, begging infringement. Begging's illegal in London. I mean, who was I to know? You know, there's thousands of beggars, right? And, uh, and I said, no, 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 I'm not begging. I've got this film crew. Every one of the film crew disappeared into the crowd. Every one of them, every single one of them, right? It was just me. They were, oh, yeah, yeah, mate, yeah, mate. And they put me in the back of a paddy wagon, put me to Charing Cross Police Station. I was there for five embarrassing hours because I'm a minister. What was I doing in a prison cell, you know? And uh, so anyway, they let me out. Eventually, they let me out. And I was the talk of the town amongst the, the police brigade, you know. And uh, then I thought, oh, gosh, I've, I've hired this, this crew. I'm going to have to now uh, continue in another form. So I dressed up as a super cheeky charity worker. And I got a shaker thing, and I was raising money for a hospice. And I did that for a while, and... and, uh, and uh, I don't know, I had fun with it, right? And then I thought, I'm going to get changed. And I went to Savoy Tailoring and asked them if I could borrow a suit for a week or so. And lo and behold, they said yes. And uh, so I became a, a super suave charity worker. Went outside the Bank of England and had the shaker thing. I said, would it be okay if you didn't give any less than a fiver? like five pounds. And, 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 you know, it kind of went on for a little while in that. So the results came in. If I did the whole lot for a year, as, as a beggar on the streets, I'd, I'd receive probably around $25,000. As a super cheeky charity worker, I'd be on about $60,000. But as a super suave charity worker, I'd be on, drum roll, $280,000 a year. $280,000, same people, different attitude, same culture, different attitude. You know, someone once said that attitude determines altitude. I'm saying it to you, I'm not even in the Tony Robbins camp, but I'm saying it to you right now. Back in 1954, uh, Roger Bannister was the first man in human history uh, to break the four-minute mile. I mean, there's some other guy in the back of India getting chased by a tiger. <laughs> but it's unrecorded. He didn't have time to say any marks except that go, right? <laughs> so recorded history. But, you know, within the next six years, 200 people prior to him, zero, zip all, after him, 
200 people in the next six years. What is that? It's going to be a mental barrier. It's going, to, it's going to be a glass ceiling. I think Henry Ford said, if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're both right. And let me translate that. If you think you can, there's a possibility you can. There's no magic here. But if you think you can't, you absolutely can't. The attitude determines that people, ch- when, they, when they saw that he broke this, this, this barrier of time, they thought if he can do it, then I can do it too. And a change in attitude changed their altitude. Now, the Bible actually talks about it. I don't know if you've read the book of Romans recently, but there's the Roman road of faith running right the way through the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says that the just, the just shall live by faith. So faith's not a hotel motel. Faith isn't something you visit. Something, it's, something, it's a residence, something you live in. So I asked you, how are you going to do that trip around Australia? We're going to do it by faith. How are you going to do that missions trip to Sri Lanka? We're going to do it by faith. Well, what were you doing last year? Because faith isn't a holiday home and faith isn't a, a, a hospital. Faith is a residence that the just will live by faith 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But in, in Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 18, I think, it says that it, about Abraham, against all hope, in hope Abraham believed, and he so became the father of many nations. How did he so become this incredible father when they had a problem procreating children? How did that happen? Well, against all hope, in hope, he believed. It was by faith that he entered into the treasury room of heaven. And it says that in Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 2. It says that by faith we access, access all areas of the grace of God by faith. And so it's by faith is the currency of heaven. If you go to Germany, use euros. If you go to heaven, use faith. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2 says this. It says, be transformed by renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Well, it seems to have changed its theme a little bit there because I thought it was purely by faith, put the cash of faith in and get the grace of God out. And now it says to be transformed by renewing of the mind so that you can test and approve, or I like to use the word test drive, so that you can test drive God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. I like, to, I like to say, to be changed in the way you think so that you can test drive the Maserati of God's will. I don't know what you think about God, but he's fairly tremendous. I don't know what you think, but he's amazing. I don't know what you think about your life being saved, but there is an access into God that is, that is beyond our comprehension. And God's here today. He never left you. And if God's for you, who could be against you? But the Bible seems to change. And it seems, this is what, this is, I'm going I'm to summarize it in, in, in just a sentence for you, right? 
that it's not just by faith that we receive the miracles of heaven. It's not just what you believe. It's what you think about what you believe. It's, it seems to me that unity isn't when all the churches in such and coast comes together. Sometimes that will be horrible. But unity is, is when you come together. When you line up the commitments of your mind with the conviction of your spirit, we've got unity. And may I, be, may I be a little bit more poetic this morning and say when you line up the conduct of your hand with the confession of your mouth, with the commitments of your mind, and line it all up with the conviction. Wow, we've got, we've got lift off here. And so it seems it's, it's, it's according to your heart, but then it says, hey, it's according to lining up your mind with your heart. And you might be thinking, well, why, why is God interested in the way we think, right? And I'll tell you why. It's for sustainability purposes. God doesn't want you to be a one-hit wonder. And most Christians have one heyday in their life, but it's unsustained. God wants, he doesn't want you to be, uh, the, he doesn't want you to be um, Chesney Hawks. He, he wants you to be Chris Martin. He wants you, he doesn't just, just, just want you to, to have a, a one hit in the charts of accomplishment for the kingdom of God. He wants you to have hit after hit after hit. So how does God create sustainability? By changing the way you think, breaking bad habits, establishing new habits so you don't become and Natalie Umbruglio. So you don't become somebody who has one hit only because your destiny is to become legends in the land. Without it, you, you, can, you can hit the target once, but you can rarely hit the target twice. And so God wants to change the way you think in order that you get and come into sustainable miracles. So it's two steps forward and not three steps backwards like we've seen across the kingdom of God in the last few years. I'm preaching quite well this morning. How do you think it's going? Oh, my goodness. Let me, let me do the scientific bit, Right? that it says in um, Romans, uh, is it 10.17, it says, it says um, that faith comes by hearing from God. So the moment you hear from God, and often it's a whisper, even less than a whisper, but often it's like the change of cabin pressure in an airplane. No one talks about it, but everyone knows it's gone on. And faith is deposited within your heart. Faith, faith is very peaceful because once you've got faith, uh, it, it's so confident that if God said it, it'll come to pass, that, that faith never sweats. Faith's not a verb. Faith's a noun. It just simply believes. And inside your hearts today, if I was to cut you in half, there is peace on the inside. And peace and joy sleep together. And that even though we, we feel all kinds of emotions today, deep, 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 deep down inside us, there is a confidence. And it's the confidence of faith, that God will do what he said he'll do. You are who God says you are. He is who God says he is. And there's a confidence in it. But you know, at the same time, because how do you know that God's spoken to you? How do you know you're saved, right? And we go, because we, we kind of we know that we know. Have you ever used that expression before? Well, what it is, is God, God also messes with our mind. 
when he speaks to us. Otherwise, God would speak to us. We wouldn't know what God said. Faith said we wouldn't know what to do with the faith. And so what God does is that he sees two parts of our mind together as the crow flies, not as the river meanders. So the clarity of thought. You, you knew that God loves you, but now God said, hey, I really love you. I'm committed to you. I'm for you. Bang! When you tell someone that God loves them, it's not as a river meanders. There's no complexity to this. It's straight through the mountain range. It's straight ahead as the crow flies. It's a little pathway, a laser-lit pathway within the mind. But I don't know if you, if you know much about pathways. In, in the United Kingdom, the, the number one hobby is walking and it, because there's nothing else to do. And the more you walk a path, the wider the path gets. The more, you, the more you meditate on the Word of God, the more established it becomes. The more you pray over, the, the more you put into action even the tidbit of what God's given to you, it widens the pathway. And eventually it gets that wide that God says, hey, now I can lay some tracks down. Because God's intention is to lay down within your mind trains of thought. Not random thoughts from heaven, but trains of thought. Because trains become unstoppable in the mind. And these trains take building material to either the new part of your mind or to the fallen part of your mind. The more trains, the more building material, the higher the skyscrapers get in either the fallen part of your mind or the new part of your mind. Here's the catchphrase. In every person's mind are fields of dreams, floods of emotion, trains of thought, and cities of habit. The skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. Because God wants your heart to inform your mind what's actually true. If we take the landscape of your mind with skyscrapers in the fallen part of your mind, habits in the fallen part of your mind, God wants to bring the habits down. He wants to reduce the skyscrapers to rubble. But when you get saved, you don't get skyscrapers in the new part of your mind. You just get virgin territory that's been earmarked for the city of peace, earmarked for the city of faithfulness, for the city of joy, for the metropolis of love, for the city of kindness and self-control. It's all earmarked there, but it's up to us to build new skyscrapers in the new part of our mind. And the Holy Spirit's there to help us. Now, I'm going to say it's a process, right? It's a process. While the process is happening, you probably see miracles come and go within your life. But this is God getting you ready for sustainability. He doesn't want you to blow apart on miracle number three. He wants you to get bigger, stronger, and better every year that you live. And he wants you to become a legend in the land, not just a one-hit wonder in the land. How's the message now? Are you with me? I'm, I'm going fast. I've just got to look at the clock. I'm a little bit autistic, so I can't both look at the clock and think where I'm up to in this sermon. I gave it a go just then. I want to congratulate myself on having two trains of thought happening at the same time. You, you, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example, right? That, that, that um, Graham Berry, Graham Berry and Leah Berry are having a dessert night. And everybody's been invited. 
except for you. So this, this invitation goes out. You're thinking, oh, I wonder if they just forgot to, to send it to us. But then every other person's got it, right? So this thought, this wonderment, why, why have we not received, arrives at Grand Central Station of the Will. It's in the center of everything to do with you. There's a station master on the fallen part of the mind called Satan who simply yells out, that's because they don't want you. Even though you've loved them, you've given them gifts, you've got a picture of the two of them, you, you, you think they're fabulous. They don't think you're as fabulous as you think they are fabulous. And then Satan says, ever since you were at school in primary and senior school, you had no friends because no one likes you. Then he says, all aboard now, toot, toot, train to Rejectionville. First stop, inferiority town. That's how temptation works, with ambiguous thoughts and with the voice of the enemy saying, board this train. If you do board that train, you're taking building material to establish the city of inferiority, the city of rejection gets bigger every time you go there. The good news is there's a station master on the platform of what I'd call the Eastern mind, and he's called, drumroll, the Holy Spirit. And every time you get tempted, there's a way out of every temptation, and the way out is a train arrives. And the first train that arrives outside of your individual revelation is Psalm 23 train. It's graffitied on the side of the train. And it says, hey, Graham and Leah aren't your shepherds. Stop being led by what they think. Be led by what the Father thinks. The Lord is your shepherd. He'll lead you to green pastures. He'll lead you to abundant pastures and still waters. Toot, toot, all aboard the train. First stop, the city of peace. If you miss that, if you miss that train, pretty soon afterwards, the Philippians 1 verse 6 train comes along and it says, hey, listen, God won't forget you. He's faithful to finish everything he started. So he's saying that even though you might, let's say, it, you might lack something in the popularity realm, but God, it makes no difference to God that what he started in your life, he'll fulfill within your life. Toot, toot, all aboard to the city of faithfulness. If you miss that, there's the Hebrews 10, 9 train that God takes away the first in order to establish the second. The friends that took you from A to B are rarely the friends that take you from B to C. This could be, this could be that zone of transition within your life. But every time you hop on the train of the Eastern platform, it takes building material to the new cities in the new mind in order to strengthen them and to grow them. Come back to the catchphrase, the skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. Obedience is important, but I can tell what happens in our lives. If something happens at the grand central station of the will, I think Satan's aim is to put terrorists around it. Satan's aim is to, is to put a spirit of fear around your will. Satan's aim is to weaken your will. And so I thought I'd come along this morning and give you four ways to strengthen your will. 
Now, you, if you're a victim, you're not going to like this because you want to remain a victim. But this is to move from victim to victor. This is to exercise the power of your will. It's not all about God, you know. It's God strengthening your will. It's your will and the will of God working together that establishes your future. There is a work ethic in Christianity. But let me show you four points. Are you still with me this morning? Let me share with you four ways to strengthen your will. And number one, I'm going to quote the Spice Girls. You want to know what you, you want to know not just what you want, but you want to know what you really, really want. Because often you want something that is not what's best for you. And temptations like that, it's not what you really, really want. It's just what you want. But you're going to have to pause at the grand central station of the will, and you're going to have to dig through emotions to know what you really, really want. Follow me, listen carefully. There's four levels to our emotions. The top level is volatility. We're very volatile people. It's high anxiety. It's high sadness. It's, 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 it's bipolar activity, and it's anger are, are some of the characteristics of your volatility. But you know that 90% of anger, I made that up, but it's going to sound great in a second. 90% of your anger comes from disappointment. Disappointment's not part of your volatile emotions. It's part of your vulnerable emotions. There's a second level of vulnerability. It's am I wanted? Am I needed? Uh, does anyone want me? Am I important? Am I significant? And you're asking these questions. And so in these questions comes disappointment. Out of disappointment comes anger. And that's why your quiet time can't just be, I'm sorry, Lord. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Because you can go on all day saying sorry. God wants to go a little deeper into your vulnerability. Saying it looks like this is an esteem problem. So just pause it. And let me tell you that you're my son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Let me correct some of the biases there that are against the movements of God within your life. But deeper than that are, are visionary emotions. And visionary, you, can, you can be an athlete winning gold just based on visionary emotions. You can put aside your volatility. You can put aside your vulnerability and just go for vision. But it's the same with faith. That Faith has eyes in the front of its head. Faith and vision go hand in hand together. And the aim is to put down the mind microscope and to pick up the telescope. And the telescope says, this is my vision for your life. The microscope says, this is what I want right now in the next second. But the telescope says, this is what I want for my life. You want to live by vision. You want to know why you're on planet Earth. Otherwise, you'll look at the microscope I said the other day that I'm not a preacher, I'm a lifter. I lift people from the lowlands of doubt to the highlands of faith. So I'm not going to be too microscopic over every word that I share because I'm a visionary. You want to get out of bed in the morning as a visionary, thinking I'm here to change planet Earth person by person in order to impact the kingdom of God. You don't want to wake up with your OCD all day. Because that's waking up with a microscope. And in order to make the right thoughts, and in order to make the right decisions at Grand Central Station, you want to pick up the telescope. But for, if, you're, if you're saved here, there's a, there's a deeper level of emotion. And the Bible says the kingdom of God isn't food or drink. It's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Two-thirds of that is emotional. So deep down inside you is a stillness. And the aim of a good devotional life is to drop a well. Drop a well through volatility. Tell God, I'm so sorry, I blew my handle again. Into vulnerability, oh God, who am I? What am I doing? Into vision, God, what purpose have you got for me? 
and they needed a victory. Jesus Christ won every battle of mine on the cross. It doesn't belong to me. The battle belongs to God. That's how to strengthen your will. Number two, you want to become an eco-warrior. You want to be someone that monitors climatic conditions within your soul. If, if you've got a problem, let's say, with Krispy Kremes, don't live in a bedsit above a Krispy Kreme shop. It's just wise, isn't it? Because you'll be okay at 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., but 2 a.m. Well, you know where they put those Krispy Kremes, in that black bin liner. You know where the bin liner is. 2.30 in the morning, you crawl downstairs, you got the key to the joint, you open up the bin liner, and then, bang, 10 pounds heavier. And the problem isn't the bin liner. The problem isn't, it isn't the donuts. The problem is your positioning. You want to live a mile from the donut store. So at 2.30 in the morning, you think, in order to get in there, I'm going to have to break in, and it's not going to look too good when I get arrested for breaking in on behalf of donuts. And so I think I'm not going to do it. Can I say climate is everything? When Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, he kept everybody out, even most of his disciples. He only brought in three disciples because he was an eco-warrior. He was trying to sustain the right, the right environmental conditions for the healing of a dead girl. I just think you could do a better job at it. I just think that you, you could... You could you could avoid some temptations by not having them immediately in front of you, that you can, you can change and reorient your life and you can add some other aspects to it. You could lose a couple of people, politely lose them, but you could add some other people who actually do strengthen you. You could reorient your life better. My, my third point is, is to do with confession. You want to change your confession. It's an interesting word, confession, right? The greatest faith word in all of the Bible is the word but, B-U-T. And King David used it in Psalm 31. And this is what he says in Psalm 31. He says, he says, everybody, he says, everyone hates me. He says, everyone walks on the other side of the road when they see me. Everyone disdains me. I feel like broken pottery. I feel like cutting myself, right? Then he says, but my hope's in you. I trust in you. My times are in your hand. He put a but in the midst of his valley. I, if, if I went camping on Fraser Island, I've forgotten the new name of it, but if I went camping I, I, and I forgot that all the, and I was, there was eight people there and I was responsible for the tent pegs and I forgot them, they'd be incredibly angry, right? But then if I said, but I've got eight nights, eight rooms at the five-star hotel down the road, everyone's happy now because I've introduced something that wasn't formally introduced. And that's the art form for you. It's not to deny you you're sick. It's to say, I'm sick, but to alloy yourself with future reality. Because what's more true, the promises of God coming to pass or the way you feel? I want to say that tomorrow's promises coming to pass is more real than the way you feel, but don't discount the way you feel. Otherwise, we'll just be super spiros, and no one likes a super spiro. And so you want to combine, this is how I feel, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling deflated, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling uh, depressed, I'm feeling a little bit uh, out of it, but God's a deliverer, but he did it for Jane, God can do it for me, but 
Jesus isn't actually in the grave right now, but I do have fourth level emotion that says I'm victorious in Jesus Christ. You, you just need to learn to, to not be dishonest with feelings, but to, to alloy it with future truth. Don't have a conversation where it's just demeaning. Don't just say, oh, I hate so-and-so. There's some people I hate, but I've forgiven them. If you just add something that softens the potential carnality, you're getting, you're getting to grips with, with the grand central station of your will. And it's important you do that. Not just through environmental change, but through confessional change. How about the, how about the keyboard player coming up? And I'm going to give my last point. My last point is, is that you want, to, you want to pray a little bit more. I say a little bit more because I don't want to use the word a lot more except for the guy at the front here. Uh, Because often prayer becomes a chain around us. Religion has sabotaged and weaponized prayer and I hate religion. But I just think prayer is an amazing additive in the Christian life. It's like eggs in a cake. It just kind of changes it from damper. It just causes it to rise. I don't know. But what I do know, right, is this, that if you're on a train in the darkened part of your mind, but I'm there uh, 50 times a day, let's get real. Every time I look out the window of that train, there's a yellow taxi cab with the kindness of God trailing me. This is the Scripture. It says, God's kindness leads me to repentance. Everywhere the train of darkness goes, the yellow taxi cab of kindness follows. See, your problem is that you think that if you're in the, uh, a place of compromise, uh, you think that God's a million miles away because God hates compromise. Yeah, he hates compromise, but he loves you. So he's not following compromise, he's following you. So I don't know where you got saved, but I got saved in what you'd call a dungeon of the heart. Well, what was God doing in that dungeon? Well, it's because he was following me into that dungeon. I I need to say this. I'll say it everywhere I go. It's impossible to be far away from God. It's it's a fictitious doctrine that that is hellish. Because it makes you feel like you're close now to God. Now you're far away from God. Now you're close to God. It's It's just ridiculous. No one's far from God. Putin's not far from God. Every ISIS leader's not far from God because God's right. He's right there as he was with you when you got saved. He's right there. And you're on the train. The yellow taxi cab of kindness is right next to you. This is all you need to do. All you need to do is get up, press the red button, get off the train, get into the cab. It's called repentance, but I put it in a much more fun way. Because again, you think repentance is this massive crying session. But it's not. It's just a change in the way you think. That's what the word actually means. So I want to encourage you. Get up. Press the button. Get off. Get into the cab. Cab will take you back to Grand Central Station of the Will. And then you board the right trains. Secondly, I want to say about prayer that there are some cities in my mind that are ghost towns. No one lives there anymore. 
I've tried to get to the city of depression because I was feeling sorry for myself. But it seems like the tracks are mangled. I can't get there. I used to get there. I can't now get there. I've tried to get there. Something's bombed the tracks. Prayer. The military, the artillery of heaven has bombed the tracks and has created ghost towns within me. Why doesn't God steamroll the ghost towns? Because He wants to remind me of how far I've come. You've got to have a few scars. You've got to have a few reminders. You've got to have a few sensitive parts, a few soft parts within you to remind you where you've come from. That's why God won't bulldoze ghost towns. You finish on this story. I'm, I'm going to pray for you, right? Because the weapons of my warfare aren't carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. I guess because I'm talking about strongholds, I might as well give it a go. I don't know if you saw the film A Beautiful Mind. You know, did you see it with Russell Crowe when he, when he was good looking? No, he's changed, hasn't he? Let's face it, he's changed. <laughs> and and uh, he, was, he was John Forbes Nash, right? The, the brilliant mathematician, but, but totally like he had schizophrenia. He had, bipo- he, had a lot, he had everything that was going on. And he had voices within his head, right? And, and finally, he got the Nobel Memorial Prize for economics, I think, because he helped the American government out uh, against uh, uh, clandestine warfare from the Russians. So he receives the award. His, his friend, his, his, who's been with him all his life, says, How, it must feel great not to have those voices anymore because John Forbes Nash is happy. And this is what he said. I love this. He said, oh, no, I still got them. He said, I've just chosen to ignore them. Being more than a conqueror isn't the eradication of temptation. It's the mastering of temptation. Being more than a conqueror is to take a flood of depression and build some riverbanks so it becomes a river, a controllable river of depression. Some, and I say that because some personality types are more type A personality, they've got an underside to them that you need to manage. For example, if you're more choleric type A personality, then anger something. You need anger management. You just need to, to turn anger from a flood back to a river and create riverbanks and control it. And then you're more than a conqueror. The problem with us, we live in a spirit of the age of perfectionism that says, I'll be totally delivered. No, you are delivered if God can rip you from the influence of it. But God rarely takes away the temptation of it. Oh, gee, I preach well. I'm coming to an end. We've got the power to ignore small voices, large voices, and to tune our ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to to pray for you. Everything that I've said plus more is in this book that's available down the back there and it's called the Mind Map, the Mind Map Analogy. I've also got down the back there, I've got a lot of maps, A1 maps of the Christian mind, drawings of the Christian mind. 
And I think it'll help you. If you're a visionary, if you're, if you're a, an artistic person, a vision, visionary kind of learner, then I, I think this would, be, this would be good for you. This is my book called The Hit Factory with the catchphrase that the next you is the next big thing. God doesn't want to do revival despite of you. He wants to do it through you. He wants to use you to change planet Earth. Here's my book, the quote from Henry Ford. If you think you can, 21 of the world's famous expressions, each one turned on its head. And this is my latest book called The Truth Dart, 181 Nuggets of Truth in a Woke Generation. I think you'll find this well thought through, not reactive at all, but adding the wisdom of God to a confused age. And this is my book called Think Twice, 500 uh, 50, 500 trains of thought on how to lead a successful life. Every one of these books are grab and go. You just, you, you'll feel guilty, but just try it out, right? Just grab it and go. Don't pay for it until maybe 24 hours time. It just makes it a little easier on a Sunday so that you can think, oh, I'd like that. So just grab it and then shoot and then just pay for it. The details of paying for it are on the back. Everybody stand up. Everyone stand up. Oh, we've got a couple of minutes. Got a few minutes. Jesus. Well, I I want to say that this morning that there's a spirit of God's within this room to actually draw people to make a decision to actually follow Jesus. Some of you have, have wandered around in doubt camp just down the road from Grand Central Station of the Will. And some of you are going to come out of doubt camp and you're going to make your way. You've been camping out on the streets of error and truth. But you want to come back and make a decision today to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you're a backslider, make a re-decision today. Let's use our will to make Christ central within our lives. If that's you right now, I'm going to pray a short prayer and I'm going to pray sentence by sentence. I'd love you to pray it. Are with me. Every eye closed right now, if you like, and then and then just say this after me, dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm amazed that you found me. Amazed that you found me. I thought I was lost. I thought I was lost. But you were there. But you were there. You followed me. You followed me. In your yellow taxi cab of kindness. I press the red button. I get out. And come into your car, into your safety, into your forgiveness, into your grace, and into your strength. Be the leader of my life from this moment on, in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed. You know, it's just a very short prayer. And if I could just add one more thing to it, that it's good to draw a line in the sand. We have no sand. But we need to divide history from future or history from present. And I'm going to ask you with every eye closed, except maybe a couple of counselors, I'm going to ask you when I count to three, that if you, with a measure of sincerity, prayed that prayer, whether you're a backslider returning or it's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like that, I'm going to get you to lift up your right hand and to leave it up till all the hands are up with most eyes closed. It's just a prophetic statement. It's a confession of faith. And so if that's you today, drawing a line in the sand, on the count of three, I'd love you to lift up your right hand, leave it up till all the hands are up. Three, two, one, lift it, lift it. Come a little higher, 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 so I can see it. Hands are going up around about this place, a little higher, 
little higher. On my right-hand side, a hand's gone up. In the middle, a second hand's gone up. At the very front, in the middle, a third hand's gone up. On my left-hand side, at the front, a fourth hand's gone up. And down the back of my left-hand side, a fifth hand has gone up. I always miss a couple of hands. Well, down the very back, there's a, there's a, a sixth hand that's gone up. Everyone pray with me. Lord, let the peace of God that passes all understanding rest upon them. Let your word be a lamp to their feet, a light to their path, God. Build a community around about them that could help them, God. And we thank you that if God is for them, then who could be against them? You can put your hands down in Jesus' mighty name. Now lift your hands to heaven right now. Lift your hands to heaven. From the back to the front, lift your hands to heaven. And Father God, we all have a challenge with our mind. We all have attacks within our mind, attacks within our wills. But I I feel that what God wants to do is break condemnation. And condemnation says, hey, you're trapped. Condemnation says, this is a habit. You'll die with this habit. It says, condemnation gives you no hope, no way out. There's a city of condemnation that a lot of you visit on the way to Inferiority Town, on the way to Lustville, on the way to Deceptionville, on the way to the metropolis of self-righteousness. The condemnation is a strong, strong tower. And right now, God's given me the power to crush it in Jesus' name. It's a stronghold. You've been battling spiritual battles. It's not just that you've done wrong. It's a feeling of imprisonment from the wrong when Jesus Christ died to unprison you and to forgive you as far as the east is from the west and remember it no more. And if you want the truth of Christ, where He believes in you, where Christ sees a great future for you, but all you can see is the the brick walls of a prison cell, then I'm going to pray a prayer for you. But with every hand down now, if that's you, if that's you, I'm going to get you to lift up your hands. On your marks, get set, go. Because I'm going to pray for you. On your marks, get set, go. Lift up your hands. This This is breaking condemnation, breaking the power of sin, breaking the power of darkness. Hands have gone up all around about this place. Everyone pray right now. Dear Lord Jesus, Father, we declare the pulling down of this stronghold of intense negativity, this stronghold of intense entrapment. Father, I break the spirit of entrapment in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, open up the prison bars, God. And Father, cause them, Lord, to be set free now through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and to get back in the taxi cab and to receive the freedom of Christ. For it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Father God, I pray and I declare a removing of them from every prison cell in Jesus' name. Father, let the emotion of freedom, let the spirit of joy now rest upon each of these people. And Father, let life management be a lot easier this afternoon and from now on than it was from yesterday and backwards in Jesus' mighty name. It's just a word for condemnation, but you know, for each one of us, it's, it's a battle. Some of our wills have been weakened by the spirit of control. And I sense today that some of you have been freed from that spirit of control, but you've, but you've still maintained the oppression of control. 
And God wants to move you from victim to victor. And if that's you right now, if you feel that you've lived in victimhood, you've thought, what's the point? Why me? What's wrong with my life? There's been a spirit of control over you. And God wants to set you free from that. If that's you right now, it's serious business. When I count to three, I want you to lift up your, your hand and leave it up while I pray for you. Three, two, one. Lift up your hand right now. Hands going up all around about the place. This is, this is, this is me crushing the spirit of control and the after effects of control in Jesus' mighty name. Father, empower them right now. And Father God, we wipe away victimhood. We say that that was a part of their history, but it's not a part of their present or a part of their future. And Father God, we bind the spirit of victimhood in Jesus' mighty name. Empower them, empower them, and empower them. Let Grand Central Station be a vibrant place where thoughts are directed toward the Holy Spirit and the trains of the Word of God. Father, I want to thank you, God, that they can do it. I'm here to say to each one of you that you can do it do it. You can do it. You can do it. Some of you think, well, what's going to happen if I suddenly stand up with my back straight and with my shoulders back? It'll be intimidating to the enemy. That's what it'll be. That you'll become a prophetic statement to God, that God will protect you and God will surround you. And you're part of a great church as well. And sometimes when you're being trodden on and when you stand up, sometimes it, it creates a disturbance, but you've got a brilliant church and brilliant leadership to help you out in the midst of that disturbance. But don't stay lying down. It's not the posture of Christ within you. The posture is to rise up as David, run toward your Goliath, get your sling and get your stone and slam Goliath into the ground. You're born for victory in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. You can put your hand down. Put your hand down. Father God. Father God. Uh, here's, here's my last one, and this is for people that just need to make some changes. You, you're too close. Too close to the Krispy Kreme shop. Just, I'll put it like that. You know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm speaking in riddles. But I'm, I'm the riddler here this morning. And if that's you right now, if you'd like some wisdom from heaven, if you thought the power of God was great, the wisdom of God is supreme. It's supreme. Authority beats power every time. What you need is the authority of the wisdom of God. And I don't know how or what God's going to say to you, but He's going to say something quite clever. And if that's you right now, if you're in need of the wisdom of God, when I count to three, I want you to lift up your hand to God. Three, two, one, lift it up right now. Lift the hands are going right up all around about the place. Father, you said in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is supreme. And you said that if any man lacks wisdom, let him come to you and ask, and, and they'll receive without fault finding. That it won't be, it won't be oh, you, you don't deserve this. It'll be, hey, through Christ, I'll give you all the wisdom that you need. And so I pray, God, for specific wisdom for each one of these hands, God. Help them to, help them to, to find another living arrangement. Help them to, 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 to find, uh, to, to, walk down the steps to the platform of the Holy Spirit easier. Help them. Give them wisdom to hold on to railings. Give them railings. Give them support structures. Give them, give them friends and give them people and give them a fresh zeal for your Word. A fresh hunger for your Word. But I pray, open their ears, God, that they might know you, the hope of your calling. Father, that you might open the eyes of their understanding 
that you might open their hearts so they could draw more and more from you. And Father, help all of us right now in our devotional life. Help us to drop a well, to not just stay with, I'm sorry, God, but to drop a well with, into our vulnerable identity and then to drop a well into our telescopic vision and then to drop a well into our victorious emotions of what Christ did upon the cross. We thank you, Jesus, the greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And Father, we thank you today for being an awesome God. Everyone look at me. We're going to give God a clap offering, right? But I don't want it to be the usual seven-second clap offering. I think every one of us, I preached great this morning, and every one of us here this morning has an opportunity to celebrate prophetically the victory of God upon your life. Just want you to draw a circle around yourself. Stand within the circle. If you're at home, you could bake a cake, put on Abigold. And celebrate, celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has made you more than a conqueror because of His irrepressible love that He has for your life. We're going to prophetically clap. While you're doing that, I'll disappear. I want to say I've loved being here this morning. I can't wait to come back again. And I love your leadership team. I love everything about this church. It's very, it's very future. But for you to stay up with it, for you to be sustainable, let's give God a long clap offering of praise. Only marks get set, go. Come on. Come on, prophesy it. Prophesy it. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, you can do it. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day. And until next time, bless you.